Let's get into it then. All right. Awesome sauce. I ask that the gods and goddesses of our respective paths bless this circle so that we may be free and protected within this space. And if you have this one word, pagan or paganism. For the pagan community. Exactly. Right. The, the big umbrella. And that was fucking fantastic. Of the podcast ever. We're three pagans. Exactly. We're three pagans. And a cat. And may the works this day of be of the highest good for all present and those listening. So mote it be. The circle is cast. Hail Dictinus. Grant us clear voices, strong sound, and good reads. If the ocean can calm itself, so can you. We are both salt water mixed with air. Welcome to Meditation, the 142nd episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of poet Nayira Wahid. Thanks to Velocity Rose for our intro music. You can find more of their work at VelocityRose.com. You may call me Ode. Mary Meet, my name is Gwyn. We have no car today. (laughs) (laughs) Car is at Valhalla pouring mead and losing his mind, I assume. Probably, probably. But so it's fun when we get to do episodes. episodes. It's kind of fun. We do a little... A little episode duet. That's right. That's right. It's always fun. And I really liked that poem. I'm interested as to why you had the, the pauses between so, phrases. Nair Wahid's poetry is almost always very short phrases on mm-hmm. single lines. Mm-hmm. Just three or four lines. Haiku? No, they're not haikus. But they're just very short poems. Okay. Three or four lines. And each line is very short. So if is a whole line. Gotcha. The ocean is a whole line. It's line. beautiful, and it's so poignant, mm-hmm. and it fits with what we're talking about today. I thought so. <laughs> but before we get into that, let's do our housekeeping. Okay. Um, so Car's not here, so we'll try to remember the things he does. He does three pagans on tap. Every other Tuesday. With the other Odinsons. Uh-huh. Malik Odinson and Sarenth Odinson. That's right. It may be this Tuesday. It might be. I'm not we sure. We don't know for sure. It's a Tuesday. A Tuesday. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's what he does. And then, of course, he's working. At Valhalla. At Valhalla. Very, very busy. And I'm writing. I have actually been absent from Pagos Pagan for a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. taking a little break from that. But I'm working on Green Earth Witchcraft, the book that is being published for me uh, through with the press. And uh, hopefully, in the future, we'll have some, some doings where we're actually going out and Right. doing wouldn't, things. Wouldn't that be exciting? I also be able to hear the birds in the background. That's right. That's going to be constant for the next little while because there's a nest uh, very near to our... Little baby sparrows. Yeah, very very near to our recording zone. Mm-hmm. Those are just going to be joining us in the recordings for the next little while. That is correct. So they grow up and fly away. That's correct. And Car is not here. Car is not here. But we are going to be doing segments. And and I have to read all of the patrons, <laughs> and I I have come prepared. I have them right. on my phone. That's right. So yes, we are also going to be doing segments. We're not going to be doing cars be stable because cars not here. We're going to bully him into doing it on his own next time. That's right. <laughs> all right. So we have forty one kittens whose names do not get read, but thank you to all of our kittens. We love you, kittens. We have twenty four cats, and their names are Heather Lewis, Anastasia Haley, Blue Moon. Suzanne Anders, Sinead Odinson, Sarah O'Dell, Hannah F., The Dryad, J.D., Cabra, Michael Adonisio, Rhonda Graham, Christine Phillips, 
Squiggy, Elisa Durka, Megan, Coney Briggs, Cheryl, Shokora, Rebecca Hillman, Cindy Barrett, Soror Kath, Jasmine Ray Bell, and M. Tyvalsari. Thank you, cats. We love you. We do. 93 hunters. Oh, so everybody settle in. Our hunters are Heather Ellis, Raleigh, Sophia Duncan, Katie Hare, Zerf Zulzarander, Evithia Hjartblad, Haley Bjorn's daughter, Roanoke the Wiccan Wizard, Yang, Jojo, Brianna Beep Boop, Kitty Crittenden, Patrick Saylor, Jaden Hill, Sam Sanchez, Studio Prey, Jen Hutt, Martha Kirby Capo, Morgan King, Luna, Swan Fairywater, Alicia Marlowe, Kirsten Hankins, Charlene Hughes, Goddess Incognito, Logan Olafson, Caleb King, Shyby, Disgruntled Honeybee, Meg Parks, Beck Blackwell, Rhiannon M. Gray, Andy Olson, Tanya Maria, Cosmic Rose, La Petite Poisson, Ken Hub, Cara B, Loriana Lee Knapp, Claire K.R. Miller, Sprouty, Hojin Ko, Sloth, Melissa Gerben, Megan Kipper, Stephanie W, Kai Oakenshield, Ryan Hopkins, Melkor, Ben Walburn, Keelan Casey, Brittany, Roshala and Dasvid, Emily Miller, David Dashafen Keys, Emily Hall, Zamina Kokoro, Sheila Bond, Amy Martin, Darian, Sky Poifair, Scooby, Jax, The Pirate Cove, Juniper Shadowcat, Elfwort, Stephanie Edwards, Pablo B. Fodor, Olwyn Crow, Sarenth Odinson, Ushi Ursa, Felicia Welton, Misha Magdalene, Sarah Grace, Victoria Selmas, Megara, The Sugar Maple Seder, Alyssa Addy, Johnny, Ray Lothrop, Rana, Dahlia Darge, Meredith Kenton, Zacchaeus, Laura Loki, Jace Helmer, Elora Driver, Jessica Jones, Briar Aldridge, Darby Lockridge, Gary Bearstorm, Charles Howison, and Stevie Thompson. Thank you, Hunters. We love you. Next is our leopards. We have 15 leopards. They are Mandy Willowgreen, Nicholas, Gabby Gaberson, Chris Mickelson, Kitty Robinson, Sean Starr, Kimberly Squeaky Reynolds, Robin Archer, Ellen Veals, L. Faithful, Mackenzie Boyer, Chris Colibri, Gemma Atkinson, Finn Odinson, and Akaneko 13. Thank you, leopards. We love you. We do. We have six tigers, and they are Kristen Gill, Weavers of the Web ATC, Raymond Stovall, Nix Fallingleaf, Tree Wizard Creations, and Crystal of Apothecary Tees. Thank you, tigers. We love you. We have four panthers, and they are Melissa Negron Schilling, Allie Robinson, Elizabeth Bull, and Quinn Ann ASMR. We love you, panthers. And finally, we have our jaguars. Jaguars. There are three of them, and they are Kirsten Ray, Amanda Hicks, and Justin Stanage. And we love you, jaguars. We do. And that's all of the patrons. That's right. We are housecapped and housewept. There we go. Got to do all the traditional things. All the traditional Even things. though there's a non-traditional lack of car. 
It does kind of throw one off, mm -hmm. not having him, even if he's not saying anything. Just he's just presence. A presence over it's, there. It's anchoring. Trying not to fall asleep because he's worked so hard uh -huh. all week. <laughs> but let's let's discuss uh, meditation. So this is not officially one of the first steps episodes, but it probably could be because it's again one of those things that everyone just sort of assumes you know how to do. That's true. That's true. Um, although there are definitely some meditation techniques that are acknowledged as being harder to learn than others. Mm -hmm. And there are a few that you're only supposed to be able to learn in person with an instructor, like transcendental meditation. Yes, because I think transcendental meditation, you know, it has, they're the ones that have the, the varying levels that they go through, I think. Now, transcendental meditation is something that Maharishi put together, mm -hmm, the Maharishi Foundation does, and it's supposed to be, quote, effortless. Wow. And they claim that even someone with ADHD can do it. Hmm. But it's... But you have to have an instructor. But, but you must have an instructor to be doing Transcendental Meditation Registered Trademark. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the technique, as it's been described, is just sitting for 20 minutes mm -hmm. and reciting a mantra. Ah. But you don't choose the mantra. Your okay. instructor chooses the mantra for you. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. See, I had always heard, I thought it had to do with, like, alpha and beta and, you know, going oh, that's, to the different levels. Yeah, so and, that's not levels. That's brainwaves. Well, brainwaves. Yeah, so, you know I mean. so they've done supposedly some studies. Right. Transcendental meditation, your brain waves are in alpha state. Right. And, and in other move into other states. No. Right? Transcendental meditation is just alpha oh, state. Oh, okay. And there are other forms of meditation that are in beta, theta, or gamma states. Every now and again science looks at meditation and is like, how's this work? How's it well it's because you know they they are now recognizing and have been for quite some time its value to lowering stress to helping people who are chronically ill, to helping patients recover from surgery. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's all kinds of benefits to, to uh, meditation. Although most of the medical ones have not been proven in independent studies. True, true. The medical stuff, it's all like, well, this is basically the same that we would see in, mm -hmm. that we would see in a placebo yeah, trial. Yeah. So it's basically just like, the same sort, the same amount of benefits you would see from just generally thinking you're going to get better. Right, right. So, which that effect exists, but it it's doesn't. not as significant as you know medical right. intervention. Exactly, exactly. But it does. I still think meditation has its place, as all whole body initiatives mm -hmm. do when it comes to health. It has the whole I, self and not just one part. Right. I think meditation has some value for health, especially if you're high stress. Uh-huh. But I think it has less value for health than some people, especially transcendental uh, meditation people like to say. I would I would agree with you probably. <laughs> that, yeah. I think it I think it gets overstated. Probably. And that well, I think, I think they're, that's they're trying to sell their they're trying to sell their their, their trademark their meditation yeah <laughs> and but I think that also ends up doing it a disservice because yeah. that you like you're not going to see those results right in your actual physical body mm -hmm. and so you're just going to be like well this was some bullshit <laughs> when like meditation can do great things for you it just it can. can't like cure your heart disease no but it can help you lower your stress yeah and logan which can help assist you if you have heart disease right what well what logan says is what i think is more correct which is it has more benefits for mental health than physical health oh i would agree and yeah and i think that's but i think true. but i also think that our mental health does have right we're, yeah, the whole body thing yeah, yeah it's the whole body thing it does have a part to play in our healing or at least in our coping especially if it's a, it a long-term illness coping especially yeah because coping. if you have a long-term illness with a like it's it's an incurable thing right. 
right. or you're, you have a bad prognosis or your prognosis is just, you're going to need a bunch of surgeries. Right. Your mental state can really impact your results there. And how long it takes you to heal if you're uh-huh. doing surgery, just because of they the tension, the They have done studies for this, yeah. uh, that, that your, your mental state really can and does impact your recovery. Yes. It, it's not going to, having a good mental state isn't going to cure your heart no. disease. But it could make recovering from your triple bypass easier. Exactly. That's that mind-body connection. Mm-hmm. That it does exist. I believe it does exist. It can't do miracles, as yes, Abbott it, says. It yeah. cannot do miracles, but it can assist. Exactly. It can assist. It has a place. Because stress has a negative effect on your body because yes, your, your brain causes your body to release all these stress hormones mm-hmm. that are for priming your body to... To flee. To, well, to <laughs> or flee fight. or to fight, yes. Yeah, to deal with a crisis. Right. But in so much of our lives now, the mm-hmm. things that cause us stress are not the things that the kind of physical stress responses we have can help with. Right. So we just have these ongoing stressors mm-hmm. and the stress hormones continue to build up in our bodies. And those actually do starts, damage to your body long down. term over time. Yeah. It starts breaking down organs mm-hmm. and, and causing all kinds of issues. Yeah. And no. <laughs> Don't get too freaked out. No. That's very long term. That's long term. You have to be at a, at a high level of stress yeah. for a very long time before it starts to have that kind of an impact. Exactly. But it can just make you feel shitty. And that's why we mm-hmm. do practices like meditation mm-hmm. or getting out in nature or all mm-hmm. kinds of things to de-stress. Exactly. So that's part of meditation. That's one mm-hmm. part of meditation is just helping to de-stress from the very active lifestyle most people live mm-hmm. and just, you know, the stressors of the modern world. Sometimes for some people, and we're going to talk about like all the different things that count as meditation, Mm -hmm. all the different sort of components you can add to meditation. But for some people, meditation is literally just an excuse to take five minutes and not do something. I think every, every mother, Uh (laughs) every mother, even if it's in the fucking bathroom needs to take five minutes to just Stop. Everybody, everybody needs to be able to have just that five minutes. The point is that, you know, sometimes people have this concept that in order to properly meditate, you have to be able to go for 20 minutes, 30 minutes or longer. Right. And really five minutes a day is extraordinarily beneficial. Yeah. I, some people I know get thrown off the the meditation train Mm -hmm. because they're like, I have to be able to do this for an hour. I can't find an hour or I can't sit still for an hour. I can't focus for an hour. It's like like, five minutes. You do not need to do an hour. Now there are some programs like transcendental meditation that will tell you, you have to do X amount of time, X number of times per day. But if you're just meditating like for yourself, Mm -hmm. you do not need to do that. And the other thing that it does in addition to help help you de-stress help you to just be aware in the moment of just you, yourself. Sometimes. Not all forms of meditation are for that. But we'll go through that. But also, it can help you... when it comes to your practice as a, as a witch or a magical practitioner, it can help you focus so that when you are doing your, your spell work or mm-hmm. ritual or whatever, it helps you become part of what you're doing. So I find something for me, I know we've talked before about the fact that when you do a spell, you need to be really clear about what your intention is. Right. And I found that doing some a certain kind of meditation mm-hmm. before I commit to a spell that helps me clarify what my intention is, is really useful. Very useful. 
In fact, let's talk about the different types of meditation there yes. are. I because there are a variety of different ones, and they're not all even for the same purpose. No, exactly. They all have kind of a different thing. And I found nine. Did you find nine? I found a variety. Okay. I didn't count them. This could be just a small sampling it of is. what is out there. There are hundreds of yeah. styles of meditation. Oh, the other thing I think we should bring up is that meditation, it, it's been around for centuries mm -hmm. in multiple cultures. It's not just... No, yeah. the, a lot of the meditation we practice today comes from India, India and Buddhism, but there have been other forms of mindful awareness mm -hmm. in other cultures that yes. we now call meditation. Yeah, yet. we just all sort of we just sort of lump it all together yeah. under the one um, umbrella under the umbrella of meditation. But what I have down here is mindfulness, which is Buddhist uh, originated, spiritual, which you can find in religions such as Hinduism, Christianity, Taoism, etc. Focused, which is concentrating. Uh, using the five senses, movement, active movement, meditation, mantra, using the om or phrase or word, transcendental, which trademark. is a registered trademark <laughs> that you can only learn from a registered Res transcendental meditation instructor. Progressive relaxation, which is basically a body scan. Mm -hmm. Loving kindness, which I thought was an interesting one which is meant to uh, help someone to build love and then be able to send love and kindness out to others. And then visualization, which uh, helps you to visualize, obviously, in your mind's eye, scenes or images or things of that nature. Right. And we're going to talk about all of these in more detail. Right. I consider those, uh, many of those, not to be styles of meditation, so much, so much as components of See, meditation. See, that's what I thought, too. Because so many of them can be combined. Or you can do, you know, you can pick yeah. and choose. I have done many of these. Yes. And there are schools of specific types of meditation, yes. like Vidasantha is yeah. a specific type of meditation. That's a school of meditation that's taught very specifically. You have to do it a specific way to be doing that kind of meditation. Right. But the sort of freeform meditations that most of us are going to be doing yeah. can include a variety of these components. But sometimes, what I found sometimes throughout the entire meditation, you might do a different bit at yes. different points of one meditation session. Something I found more useful than trying to break them down by like what bits are in it mm -hmm. was what the how it's done and what the purpose is. Mm -hmm. So the two sort of styles of, of how the meditation is done were guided and unguided. Right. So a guided meditation is just one where someone is walking you through the process. Which is something I was doing all mm -hmm. of last year pretty much. You can much. find lots of guided meditations on Gwen's Facebook. That's right. And an unguided meditation which is something that's self-directed. Correct. Um, which an unguided meditation practice can be inspired by a guided meditation. Exactly. And the other sort of, the one I found that sort of separated them by purpose was uh, a meditation that is focused on calming mm -hmm. or relaxation versus a meditation that's focused on gaining insight right. of some kind. Mm -hmm. So those are, like, they have different purposes. Mm -hmm. And so even when they contain some of the same some elements, elements yeah. they're doing different things. Right. And right. how you approach them mentally is different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I found that more useful, I think, because a lot of these things you'll find in both 
a lot of these components you'll find sort oh, yeah. of stacked or interwoven or, or combined in various ways. Mm -hmm. Our Tiger Gym 26 has spent much of the past three decades providing spiritual and emotional support for individuals that are looking for accountability, wisdom, and safe supportive space while they discover how to walk their own path. Jim is now offering his spiritual dad service in a Patreon structure. This informal program includes regular contact with Jim and specific guidance for what's going on in your life right now along with a talking stick monthly meeting for some levels, and regular phone calls range from one to four times a month at other levels. Jim will help you with goal setting, ritual and energetic practice ideas and teaching, suggestions, support, and accountability in whatever it is you want to accomplish. And because it is your path, you will adapt his suggestions to suit what works best for you. It's called Spiritual Dad, but there is no age limit. We all need spiritual and emotional support. Hail Dictinus. So and I guess it's time for Odes! Stone Corner! I can't do this well. <laughs> this is be good for uh, improvised. So today I'm going to talk about chalcopyrite. We may have talked about pyrite before, but this is different. Fancy um, pyrite? No, softer, weaker pyrite. Oh, it's weak. It's got pyrite. a weak, brittle body. Oh. It's a it's a good stone. It just it just you could scratch it with actual pyrite. This is actually a very a, an easy way to tell them apart is that if you have a piece of what you know is pyrite and a thing you think might be chalcopyrite, if you scratch it with the pyrite, it will make a mark. But this is the important message. Even delicate things have value. Have value. <laughs> All right. So chalcopyrite. So chalcopyrite is an ore of copper. In fact, it is the primary ore of copper and has been since we started smelting copper 5,000 years ago. Chalcopyrite is where the like majority of early copper came from. It does sometimes contain uh, other metals as well. So it'll sometimes contain zinc. Occasionally you'll get chalcopyrite that contains a little bit of silver or gold. Ooh. Yeah. Which made it difficult with early smelting to get really pure copper because chalcopyrite was our primary ore for it. And that's part of why copper is rare and valuable because this is where we get most of it is chalcopyrite. It has a brassy yellow metallic luster when it is recently mined. But as soon as it is exposed to air, it starts weathering and it tarnishes to a sort of dull gray green color. But chalcopyrite has an interesting quality where after it's been weathered, and it's lost its metallic luster. If you expose it to acids, it will develop an iridescent quality. What kind of acid? Various acids. Like different acids produce different degrees of this effect. It will develop an iridescence that ranges from red to blue to purple. So it is sometimes sold, even though it is not, as peacock ore. Hmm. So it is a, it is a most 3.5 to 4, so it's soft and brittle. And like I said, it's softer and more brittle than pirate. So it's often sold as peacock ore. So when you find peacock ore at a store, usually sort of bright purple and blue and green uh, with like bits of red and yellow. Pretty. Very pretty rainbow colored stones that have sort of a crackly texture. Um, and those are being sold as peacock are, and they're usually acid-treated chalcopyrite. Uh, and you can tell because the colors are very extreme. The iridescence is very, very strong. And that's the result you get from an acid-treated chalcopyrite. But there is a natural peacock ore called bornite, and that's going to have much more reserved colors. It still has that iridescence in those ranges, mm -hmm. but they're not going to be as bright. Gotcha. So if you see peacock ore being sold and you like acid 
ask the seller and they don't know if it's Bornite or Chalco Pyrite, if the colors are very, very bright, probably Chalco Pyrite because Bornite has those colors through natural weathering, which Chalco Pyrite does not. QQ is saying that they have a piece of peacock ore. I wonder what kind they have. Probably Chalco Pyrite. That's that's the most common to find as peacock ore. But but like I said, if it's if it has duller, QQ says, yeah, yeah that, that one. one. And Rabbit says, more lies. Is anything sold in a spiritual shop genuine? Capitalism, honey. Capitalism, Capitalism. yeah. And sometimes they're getting, especially um, the owners of metaphysical stores are not always rock hounds themselves. Yeah. So if they're just getting it from like a major seller, they right. may not know exactly what they're getting. And they may not know how to, to how to chase identify down the source. It. Yeah. They're just trusting people. Yeah. So so most peacock ore that you find is going to be chalco pyrite. So I disagree with every source that exists on the internet and in the books I have about the, about the metaphysical <laughs> uses of chalcopyrite. Of course you do. Would you be anything, anyone other than owed if you did not? So all of the sources you find on chalcopyrite or peacock ore are going to tell you that it's like a great stone for meditation. And that it, and I can that tell it, just from what you're saying. And that it's like for a lot, it's spiritually aligned. Why? Because it's pretty? Because it's pretty. This is, I 100% guarantee to you, these people have not looked into the the, the actual qualities of chocolate pyrite and they've just gone, it's brightly colored. So it's this, it's one of those spiritual stones. Good for chakras. Good for chakras. Exactly. Good for aligning all your chakras and meditation and being spiritually enlightened. <laughs> And I have no doubt that if you asked a peacock or to do that, it would try its damned best because it's pretty. No, not because it's pretty. <laughs> but it would try its best because chalcopyrite is what I call a working man's rock. Ah. Chalcopyrite is our primary copper ore. It knows its job is to make shit. <laughs> I love it. Roanoke is going, oh, rant, oh, rant, oh, rant. So chalcopyrite is extremely down to earth. Despite what it looks like once it's been acid treated, it's an extremely like, I wouldn't say it's mellow, but it's a very earthy, earthy stone. It's got a very grounded sort of mentality. I like, kind of find myself wanting that rather than the fancy it's, peacocks. It's, I, listen, I love a, a piece of untreated chalcopyrite. It's hard to find untreated chalcopyrite because it sells better when it's rainbow colored. Mm. Like I said, it's a working man's rock. It is like I would like I if you work in a forge or like in construction or like building houses or anything like that. And especially if you work anything that deals with copper. So like if you're in plumbing and you deal with copper pipes, if you work in cars and you deal with like the, the copper components of in cars, but electrical, I, if you work say, in what the, about conductivity. Yeah, exactly. If you work in electrical and you, you work with copper wiring, anything to do with copper. And especially if you're like an on the ground, get your hands in the dirt, like actually physically do the work person working with, with any kind of, of copper or uh, honestly, a lot of just metallurgy in general because copper smelting was our earliest right. form of metallurgy. Copper was a, was our, our most accessible smelted metal for so a very long time. Even if it's been gussied up, can it, it do exactly. this? It can still do this. Even okay. once it's been acid treated and, and my feeling on chalcopyrite is that like this is the core of its identity. Well is see this, here you are saying it was a weak stone but it sounds pretty strong. It is. It's, a, it's a sturdy stone like spiritually it's just softer than pyrite in terms of its physical composition.
position. Gotcha. But yeah. No, Choco Pirate is a working man's rock. I would give it to any man's man to carry around in his pocket as long as it wasn't acid-treated because then he won't touch it. <laughs> but even an acid-treated Choco Pirate, uh, if that's all you can find, will absolutely still have these qualities. And like I said, if you give it a job it's not suited for, it will try its best to do that job for mm -hmm. you because it's very practical, like, you want me to do X? Well, I specialize in Y, but if you're gonna pay me, as it were, for X, I'll do X for you. Can't promise the work will be as good as if you hired an X specialist, but I'll try. <laughs> so that's Chalco Pyrite, and I love it, and I think it has been misrepresented, not just as Bornite, but uh, for its metaphysical purposes. Well then, the next time we are in a place where we can get stones, you need to help me find, find some. some Chalco Pyrite. That's All right. right. Colorful or not. Okay. <laughs> Kai says, I can totally build that roof. Yes, that is the Chalco Pyrite vibe. Does it know how? Not so much. Will it try its damnedest? You betcha. <laughs> That's it for Old Stone Corner. There we go. <laughs> That's a little easier on me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, better on the voice. Better on the voice covered them briefly, but let's mm -hmm. actually dive into what each of these is. Okay. In brief, mindfulness, and I'm, you know, I'm not sure if this is an accurate description according to what the Buddhists may say. Probably not. Probably not. But mindfulness, as I understand it, is awareness, being aware uh, of heightened awareness through concentration of your the area that you're in while you're meditating, the state of your body, and the state of your mind and in emotions while you're meditating. It's paying attention to what's happening in yeah, your mind. what's happening. Especially to what's happening in your mind when you're doing a meditation. You mm -hmm. can be mindful without being meditating. Right, that's true. And a lot of people advocate practicing like a few moments of mindfulness while you're at right. your desk to just like become aware, become of, aware of, what's the, going of your on environment you. yep. and then like you can let that go. But mindfulness in meditation is usually like when a thought comes into your mind, you recognize become it. aware of it, acknowledge it, and then let it go. Give it no more attention. Yeah. Like that's what mindfulness is in meditation mm -hmm. terms. It's and like that's... being aware of what your mind is doing. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where some people get tripped up is because, you know, thoughts come in. Your mind is not going to shut off while you yeah. meditate. It's going, you're going to start thinking of things because that's what the mind does. That's what your mind is for. It's what it's for. As Ode was saying, the point of that is to just acknowledge it and not let it stress you out. Go on, okay, and then go on. And something I think is really interesting about mindfulness and meditation is it makes you aware mm -hmm. of how unaware you are normally mm -hmm. of what your thoughts are doing. Mm -hmm. Because I will often be meditating and I'll like have set an intention or I'll have set a mantra mm -hmm. or I'll be in the middle of doing something and I'll be meditating and meditating and meditating. And all of a sudden I will become aware that for the last Last, like three or four minutes I've been thinking about this other topic that right. I like I didn't intend to think about it I didn't like it wasn't a topic of concern when I started meditating right. it just like crept in there. it just crept in and for the last several minutes that's been where most of my attention has actually been focused but I wasn't conscious of it mm -hmm. I hadn't consciously acknowledged that that's what I was doing and so like I'll just become aware that like why have I been thinking about this thing I need to do okay 
well, I'm not doing that right now. I'm meditating right now. So I'm going to set that aside and think about it later. Mm -hmm. And it's astonishing how those thoughts just sort of, they do really, (laughs) creep in is the only way to describe it. Or like, it's like frost creeping over a glass, Mm -hmm. right? It's less like somewhat like a thought sneaking into your mind, like a thief and more like something that sort of grows Mm -hmm. naturally in the environment of your mind while you're not paying attention. It's really strange to become aware of your thoughts Mm -hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And there, there will be times uh, when I'm meditating and I'm opening myself up to the experience of visualization mm-hmm. or something. And all of a sudden, I, like you said, you find yourself, instead of going into that state, mm-hmm. you're planning what you're going to be doing mm-hmm. in half an hour. And sometimes that will interrupt like the middle, the middle of a visualization of a, uh, of a meditation that has been going according to plan. Mm-hmm. And like nothing's changed. Mm-hmm. Just your brain decided it was going to do this thing for a little while. Yeah. And like I said, the weird part is that I don't notice the, the moment it starts. Right. I notice a few moments later. Right. And that's the point of mindfulness mm-hmm. is to go, okay, this is, this is happening. happening. So now I'm But I'm not doing it right now. So I'm going to put it away. I do also include being aware of what's going on around me as I'm meditating. Yeah. I, that's fine. Mm-hmm. I just think that's a different kind of mindfulness. Probably. It, that's, that's a more situational mindfulness mm-hmm. than a mental like meditation mindfulness right and then you've got your spiritual (laughs) which is really prayer reflection devotionals that people do yeah i don't really include that stuff you don't include that stuff no i mean i interact with my deities but i like Mm -hmm. that's just part of being in meditation for Mm -hmm. me like i don't think of it as a separate well i do because in some ways because like within some some areas of whether it's christianity or others a form of meditation that is it's like a mantra, but it's a little different. I'm no, I think it's just a mantra. I think it's just a mantra. I think it's just a mantra you're directing at a deity instead of at yourself. Oh. Like if you're just repeating the prayer over mm-hmm. and over again, that's a mm-hmm. mantra. That's true. It's just like the direction of the mantra is just different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I So calling it spiritual feels weird to me because I feel like most meditation is spiritual. You would think. Unless it's strictly, unless some people are doing I mean, some, strictly yeah. to relax. Sure. Some people are doing meditation for purely secular purposes. Right. But a lot of people do meditation for spiritual purposes mm-hmm. who aren't doing a prayer in the middle of it. Right. There is definitely an overlap. Sure. We can put it that way. <laughs> okay. So focused. This was, I thought, was interesting. The focused attention. Yeah. Focused attention, which again, probably goes to that idea of being aware of what's going on in your body. I think it's similar to the body scan, progressive relaxation, um, because it's counting your breath. So I I disagree about the body scan. You think so? Yeah. So focused attention in my experience, like it is, it's focusing on your breath or on another sense. Another sense. Because for some people focusing on the breath doesn't work. So they'll focus on their heartbeat. Right. Or a particular, like they'll focus on the sound their mm-hmm. breathing makes instead of the feeling of their breath or mm-hmm. whatever. Or they'll like touch their hands yeah, together and what, they focus on the physical the sensation. Yeah. So whatever sense works best for you, yeah. you can find uh, something to focus that's your attention true, on. A body scan is really about releasing tension. Yeah. And that's, and but that so, is different. so like a focused attention is about like creating a physical sensation of some mm-hmm. kind that you focus all of your attention on that point of your body mm-hmm. and it's it's like creating an anchor right right like you use that to anchor your meditation into that one sense and that's like i was saying like counting mala you know the counting, yeah, counting the, beads, the beads that would be a tactile and a, a kind of a 
as you're going through, you're counting each one. That would be sort of like a fusion with them. If you're actually consciously counting mm -hmm. them, I think that would be in combination with like a mantra or something mm -hmm. because you're counting them and so you're in one, right. two, three, four, five. You're being very conscious right. of the number. Mm -hmm. Some people have mala beads or rosaries or whatever that are a specific number of beads and so right. they just know when they reach the end of it they've done X number of beads. Right. Like for instance, I have a set of Hecate beads that I use from time to time when I want to use her names as a mantra. Mm -hmm. And so I'll, and they're sectioned, you mm -hmm. know, like a, like a mala. So I will go by each bead repeating that epithet, then switch to the next one with the, when, you with, hit the when next I section. feel the next section of beads. Yeah. And I think that's more productive probably than counting the beads. Yeah. I guess it, it in the sense that it counting them keeps your conscious mind very engaged, mm -hmm. which is not usually the objective of meditation. Mm -hmm. The objective of meditation is usually to sort so of bypass, bypass the conscious them. mind on some level right. for various purposes. But I think for some people, maybe the counting does allow them to get into a state of maybe, meditation. Maybe, listen, if you, find it's a that, repetitive act. if you find that meditative, feel free. Yep. But I do not. I Counting requires my brain to stay engaged. <laughs> so I would just try to be conscious of that, of, mm. of whether or not counting is something that actually lets you disengage or something mm -hmm. that requires you to pay attention. Because mm -hmm. if you're having to pay attention to the thing, it's harder to like reach an actual meditative state. Mm -hmm. I think it depends on the individual. That's true for all of these things. Exactly. Meditation is always going to be highly individual. Exactly. So like just because someone found like a meditation technique that works great it's for them. It's not going to work for everybody. That does not guarantee mm -hmm. it will work for you. No. And then uh, active movement. That that I think is important for people to know that you don't have to just be sitting still with your eyes closed to meditate. Yes. You can be walking. You can be gardening, you can be doing the dishes, you can be dancing, you can, you know, there's, it, it's an act. Rocking. I find rocking really Yeah, easy. rocking. I mean, there, it's a, you know, if you're, especially if you're doing a repetitive motion, mm -hmm. there, it is a way that you can focus the, the mind yeah. into the repetitive motion and allow the rest of your body just to move into that movement and then that helps draw you into this meditative state. This is again a situation where the more attention you have to pay to what mm -hmm. you're doing, like the more complex the task is, mm -hmm. or if you're walking somewhere where you need to be conscious of mm -hmm. traffic, mm -hmm. those are maybe not ideal situations for meditation. So mm -hmm. like walking in the woods where like you have a set trail that you're gonna follow, mm -hmm. great for meditation. Walking down a street where you need to be conscious of cars and pedestrian signs, not as good for meditation. Mm -hmm. Doing the dishes, I think probably great for meditation. You just, you do the wipe and the, the thing and yep. blah, blah, blah. You get blah. into a pattern. But like, I feel like disassembling an engine, that unless, that's, unless that's something you do a lot, yeah. would be more challenging as a meditation. I, I think the requirement is, does it become something that is repetitive that mm -hmm. you can do? That, that you, you can, can just sort of sink into. Sink into while you're doing it. And that way, like if you walk the same knitting, says Kitty, yeah, that would be a good one. But like, even if you take your dog for a walk around the same block 
every day. Well, as long as it's a safe walk. As long as it's a safe walk and you are, you know, again, it's kind of that being mindful of what's around you, but also being into being aware of what your your meditation is you're going. Roshala says something you can do in your sleep. And that's yeah. very much the case. It needs to be something that like doesn't because here's the thing. Even if you're trying to be mindful of your surroundings mm-hmm. while you're meditating, those are hard states yeah. to simultaneously maintain. Mm-hmm. So you're either going to end up out of the meditation, in mm-hmm. which case, well, at least you still got to walk. Or you're going to end up too deep in the meditation and not paying enough attention to your surroundings and get up and get in trouble. Yeah. So it really needs to be a very safe, repetitive mm-hmm. task. Yep. Not something that's going to maim you or get you hit by a car <laughs> exactly. if you are not paying enough attention to your surroundings. Exactly. Then the other thing is active movement in dancing. There's, yes, there's ecstatic drumming, dancing. Ecstatic dancing, drumming, uh, a tambourine shaking of mm-hmm. you know any of those kind of repetitive rocking as you were saying yep. or any of those kinds of rabbit things. says drawing could be a meditation sure That's absolutely yep. I've, I've talked about this before i'm pretty sure i went to a czar which was an ecstatic z- dance experience many years ago now really a very physical you dance to the beat of this drum but it does allow you as you get into the movement it does allow you to just disconnect from your brain and just allow your body to move at least that was my experience of that's kind of the point of an ecstatic dance and it then lifts you to a different level right well it 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 puts you into an altered state it can yeah and part of that again is hormones releasing and so yeah exactly it's all it it can be very therapeutic Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, and so that's something i really recommend for especially i I know a lot of neurodivergent people have a hard time with meditation because they can't sit still and like if you can't even sit still for five minutes Something I would say is try one of the moving meditations. Or even maybe I'm going to throw out there possibly primal scream. I don't find that meditative. You don't find that meditative? No. I've Um, never tried it. It could be a release of tension, but I would not call it a meditation. Fair point. (laughs) But something else you can do, like if you can't go on a walk, like if you have a mobility issue, but you also can't like focus and sit Mm -hmm. for five minutes, Mm -hmm. something you could consider is getting a worry stone that you're just Mm -hmm. supposed to like rub between your thumb and your forefinger when you get stressed. You can literally just focus on the worry stone movement Mm -hmm. and make that your meditation focus. What about sitting in a, in a rocking chair, that meditation of rocking Yes. or in a swing? Yes. A swing would be great. Especially if If you have a a chair swing or if you have really good balance right um but yeah if you have like a, a park obviously not just purely a children's park right. but if you have a, a park in your area mm-hmm. where you can get access to a swing or like if you have a tire swing in your yard or whatever that would be great for meditation absolutely meditation with fidget toys says logan yes absolutely you could absolutely meditate with fidget toys mm-hmm. they would be great for that yep so any any of those kind of things the most important part of it is taking you out of yourself, getting you, getting into the movement, into mm-hmm. the motion, into what it is you are doing safely, mm-hmm. allowing your mind to just flow into that. And that's, again, a situation where you're going to find yourself thinking about other stuff and you just, and let, you it just let it go when it happens. Yeah, just yeah, I'll think about that later. Just let it go. Mm-hmm. Another form of meditation that we mentioned briefly already is mantra. Um, right. Another, another component of yes. the meditation toolkit. And that can be the traditional sacred om, the om sound. And that one's never resonated with me. Has, see, it resonated. Yeah, literally. <laughs> that one's never literally resonated with me. <laughs> I've gone to yoga classes where they're like, now om, and I'm like, must I? <laughs> no, there, there are times, though, whether it's humming or the om 
or some kind of sound like that, that repetitive hum, that helps me sometimes bring myself into a Your meditative focus. focus and state. If like, if I'm just, my brain just won't shut off, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes doing a mantra like that or doing the ohm sound or again, even just a hum can, can help me move into that meditative state. And then there are also, there are phrases, there are words. Yeah, I'll say the ohm doesn't work for me, but I have found that sometimes tones work for me. Mm -hmm. Even if I'm doing an unguided, like a self-guided meditation, mm -hmm. and I like just can't get it going, I'll go to YouTube yeah. and I'll find like a specific tone yep. that's gonna just keep going for like three hours and I'll turn that on in and my headphones and just listen to that tone mm -hmm. for the for the duration of the meditation and that helps me sometimes. Mm -hmm. There is actually, uh, if you're interested in the OM, there is actually on YouTube, I think it's over an hour long of Buddhist monks mm -hmm. doing the OM. And if you listen to real monks it doing is beautiful. it, <laughs> and it just draws you in and you just go right along yeah. with them. It's and different. It's, oh, it's beautiful. I've, I've done that a few times too. Yeah. Where I just stick on my headphones again, listen to, listen to it. Real monks doing listen the real to the, ohm. Listen to the ohm, man. And then you just find yourself being, at least I do find myself being drawn into it. Yeah. And singing along with them. And it's, it's. Very cool. Yeah. If you can't, like, if ohm doesn't work for you, yep. like I said, tone. Does, doesn't work for me, try a tone. A hum. Um, a hum. A hum of any kind. Kitty Catastrophe is saying listening to various concertos works for her. Mm -hmm. So uh, mm -hmm. that's something you could, sometimes you just need uh, an audio landscape of some kind. Mm -hmm. um, like when I was doing, the other night I was out doing a Valpurgisnacht meditation with mm -hmm. fire and stuff, and I just had my, my phone with me and put it on some music mm -hmm. and one of them was just this very repetitive you know I think they were singing words I'm not sure but it was very monotone very repetitive uh -huh. and it sometimes if you can find music that is just very repetitive very there's not a lot of modulation between mm -hmm. tones or it's just very it yeah. just brings you in that'll work it helps if it's in a language you don't know actually yeah it really does it helps you stop paying attention to what the words yeah. are Yep, and so this, I, I wasn't sure what it was, so I just went along with it, and it was great. So there are some comments I want to pull out. So QQ said, I just listened to a YouTube meditation that they decided to allow ads in the middle of it and scared oh. the shit out of me. Mm. Yes, that's the fucking worst. Yeah. And my, not to shout out YouTube or anything, because they don't deserve, they're a big evil company like all the big evil companies. Right. But <laughs> if you get the YouTube uh, premium. premium, you don't get ads anymore. So. Right. It, if it, you can commit to that, no more ads. And in my opinion, it is 100% worth it. Yeah. We, we, if, you, if you use a lot of YouTube. Yeah, we as a family use a lot of YouTube. We do. So, you know, so, it's so worth we just, it for that, if nothing if, else, just so you don't get interrupted during your during, own. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> that's the worst. Yeah. And then Finn said... Soft yoga is one of my go-tos, mm. ending with corpse pose. One time I was in corpse pose for an hour and correct. Uh -huh. I, we used to go to a yoga class that yeah. always ended with corpse pose. Mm -hmm. And the instructor would go around and she would give everyone uh -huh. a, a scalp massage yeah. while they were in corpse pose. Oh, it was great. It was the most, like, it was the perfect wind down for those mm -hmm. yoga sessions, for one thing. But yes, if I could have laid there in corpse pose for an hour after those mm -hmm. Lessons, I 100% would have. I find myself either with corpse pose, it depends because sometimes I get bored. <laughs> I don't 
totally get bored in corpse pose, but I think it's because after doing yoga, I'm yeah. sort of already in a semi-meditative yeah. state. But the other thing for me is I may fall asleep sometimes <laughs> if I'm in corpse That's pose. also, so let's talk about that. That's yeah. also a peril sometimes with uh, meditation. Meditation, especially if you're reclined if you in recline, some way. Yes. So often at the beginning of especially a guided meditation, yeah. they'll tell you to sit or lie down comfortably. Mm -hmm. And I suggest if you are prone to falling asleep, sit. Or if you're very <laughs> tired, sit upright. Although, sit there upright have been in times. a comfortable position, but <laughs> there have been times when I have been doing my own, you know, doing uh -huh. my meditation, I'm sitting up. And you're still falling asleep. I find myself waking up like, oh, I fell asleep during this because my head starts to move forward. I'm like, okay, yeah, I must have been more tired than I realized. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or I just got that relaxed. <laughs> so something else I want to talk about in sort of that area is um, you don't have to have a specific pose to do meditation. I know a lot of people think you need to be doing the, the lotus. The lotus I find position. that very uncomfortable. A lot of people think you need to be doing like a full lotus yeah, to be meditating properly with the, the toes and, and the, fingers. the fingers and everything. And even if you can do that, like I can do a full lotus. Right. But there's no need to do it no. most of the time. You it can, doesn't add anything to my experience most of the time. You can be sitting in a chair with, with your, your feet, feet on the ground. Flat on the ground. Or crossed. Yep. Your hands Whatever. open. You know, there are some people who believe you shouldn't have your, your feet crossed because... I disagree with those know. people. Sometimes that's the most comfortable position for me, and I don't give a fuck what anyone else Yeah, thinks. exactly. So I have I've meditated with my legs crossed. I've meditated with my hands, you know, in traditional... A lotus form. Lotus form. I've... With my feet flat on the ground. Hands I, open. Hands, hands open. Closed. Hands in my lap. Mm -hmm. You know, shit. <laughs> on the go, I've meditated with my hands in my pockets. Yeah. Like... <laughs> the, only, the only one I tend to avoid is mm -hmm. laying prone because I because you will fall asleep. I will fall asleep not everybody will yeah if I go really deep I will fall asleep I so sometimes <laughs> I will lie down if I'm doing a meditation that I know and intend to lead into a mm -hmm. dream experience right then it's, then I lie down intentionally I'm like I'm supposed to fall asleep at the end of this yeah, yeah. but yeah, yeah otherwise I try to sit up join our tiger Kelly on a visit to tree wizard creations where you can find custom engraved creations for all paths they offer unique gifts and tools for altar, home, practice, and family. In addition to their standard product range, they offer custom commissions. If you can dream it, the wizard will create it. Contact them at treewizardcreations at gmail.com, follow them on Facebook, or find them online at treewizardcreations.com. That's a wizard with a Y, W-Y-Z-A-R-D. Lovely. Thank you. Hail Dictinus. Hail Dictinus indeed, because I don't usually read those, so I don't, <laughs> I don't have them good in my brain. That's right. Oh, so we did mention body scan. Yes. So let's talk about what a body scan is. That's the, you know, when during a guided meditation, someone tells you to visualize a white light starting at the soles of your feet and going gradually up your body all the way to the top of your head? Unless you're me and I do it the other way. The other way around? <laughs> That is a body scan. That is a body scan. But almost none of those people use the body scan for its intended purpose. Yeah. yeah. So it's also sometimes a progressive relaxation. Mm -hmm. And 
Which is what I use it for. Right. And in my, I, I, frankly, I think you should use it for both. I think you should do yeah. two body scans, one for yeah. the intention of a body scan and one for progressive relaxation. And what, what, as far as I understand a body scan, what it is, is to look for tension, to look for anything that... Any sources of pain. pain thing, you know, and to uh, isolate it and let it flow out of your body or to at least become aware of it yes. because you, if you have a chronic pain that may not be a thing you, you may go you know you're aware of it and you release it that kind of thing but it can help point of a body scan is like it's supposed to be like a photocopier you know those old if they still have these in offices i don't mm -hmm. know where you like put the thing down and it scans and the light bar goes across mm -hmm. that's what the light moving up and down right. your body is supposed to be like is the light bar of the, of the scanner yeah. so it's supposed to just be gradually getting a good image of your body in yep. your mind and if there's any quote-unquote dark areas. <laughs> uh, which just means areas where you tense, tense or, or, where you, pain. or where you have pain or, or where you might be carrying stress mm -hmm. to become aware of that mm -hmm. and if possible, release it. Yeah. But like I said, for people with chronic pain, that's not possible, but it can still be useful mm -hmm. because when you have chronic pain, you just sort of get used to your whole body exactly. hurting all the time. Mm -hmm. So when you do a body scan, you become more conscious of the individual parts of your yep. body. And so you're more able to assess what actually hurts yep. versus what's experiencing sort of phantom pain mm -hmm. just because it's part of you and you hurt. Right. And so becoming more aware of what in your body is hurting you mm -hmm. can help you, even if it's not something you can solve, mm -hmm. can help you be aware of what the actual problem is mm -hmm. and what you might be doing that's exacerbating it. Or if you have any any medical techniques you can use to, to mediate that. Or if there's some places where massage mm -hmm. might assist. Exactly. That, kind of that can be useful, even if you have chronic pain and you're not going to be able to like release your pain during the body scan. Right. Just becoming more aware of where in your body that pain is located can I, be useful. I do deal with chronic pain mm -hmm. and I have found that when I do a body scan of this nature, when I, if I'm feeling tension or stress in a particular area, if I focus that attention about just, okay, I'm going to relax that area and I'm going to quote unquote release mm -hmm. it, that allows my attention to go, okay, it's there. It's, you know, yes, I acknowledge it, but, and then it just kind of falls into the background for me sometimes it's not as the pain is still there it, but it's not yeah. at the top of your attention exactly it's not at the top of my attention and it just so i'm able to concentrate on other things or, or move on mm -hmm. uh in a way i might not have been able to do otherwise if you hadn't done the scan right. and identified where that pain was right exactly the other thing i use a body scan for too is because you know i, I believe we have energy centers in our mm -hmm. body and i i use those in addition to the body scan i also use it that opportunity to open those centers things need to be aligned or if I just want to ground a lot and, of people do that separately yeah so right. I, I tend to do it all in one when does a whole combo pack I do a combo pack <laughs> of meditation anybody who's followed my guided meditations probably has recognized that by okay. now <laughs> but so a traditional body scan is just identifying the yeah. sources of pain yeah the progressive relaxation is something else which and it's also um progressive relaxation is an induction method for uh, hypnosis if mm -hmm. that's something that you're interested in but so progressive relaxation is becoming aware of the individual parts of your body and then consciously mm -hmm. relaxing. relaxing them some people will like tense the muscles and then mm -hmm. release 
hold, and that's actually, hold the tension and then release yeah, you it. Tense, you tense the muscle and you hold it for like a three count and then you release all the tension. And mm-hmm. that's very relaxing. It is. It is. Um, Much more so than you would realize. And if you do a guided meditation with this, they'll often describe it as your feet feel very heavy. Mm-hmm. They feel very weighted down. They press down into the bed or into the chair or mm-hmm. into the couch or into the floor. They're pressing down. There's a weight on your on this part of your body. Mm-hmm. You could move this limb if you had to, mm-hmm. but it would be very difficult, and you don't want to. Yeah. And they'll use this kind of tone mm-hmm. that feels very heavy on its own. Mm-hmm. And that process of progressive relaxation by that, especially paired with that feeling of heaviness, is what helps you sink into the meditation or, or into the induced state for a hypnosis. Yeah. It also, for instance, if you um, listen to Headspace, I think is... Um, it's a meditation a app. Meditation I don't app. use it, but several people do. Some people do. And if you listen to it at night before you go to sleep, if you have trouble falling asleep, mm-hmm. sometimes that kind of a meditation will help you get into that relaxed state mm-hmm. so where you can just eat more easily fall asleep. I don't use it because I do find it distracting. Yeah, I find it. I, I, I just, the headspace does not work for me. I, I find it distracting, but I, I get the <laughs> I get the idea behind it. Mm-hmm. And so you could, on your own, do that kind of, or if you have a guided meditation that wouldn't distract you. distracting, yeah. I, I have use that just to release bring tension and then release it or feel that heaviness in the body just so you can fall asleep so kitty catastrophe asks is there an option for hard of hearing most guided meditations are audio meditations Mm -hmm. close your eyes during most of them so Mm -hmm. they're going to be hard to like do with subtitles Mm -hmm. um so in that case what i would recommend Mm -hmm. is to do a self-guided meditation based on like a transcript of a guided meditation so i would get a guided meditation turn on the subtitles watch it all the way through or get a transcript of it get an idea read through all the pieces and then do self-guided meditations following your memory of Mm -hmm. that thing. And don't get too hung up on remembering it correctly because uh -uh. it's not going to matter that much if you skip a step or if you do them out of order or whatever. So let's talk about visualization Mm -hmm. before we go forward. So visualization is a common component of guided meditations especially. Mm -hmm. It's not a traditional like Buddhist meditation thing. But it's very common in in modern meditations Mm -hmm. and in guided meditations especially. And it is where you're walked through or in a self-guided meditation where you decide mm-hmm. to imagine. Yeah, you're using your imagination. Uh, a scene of some kind mm-hmm. to insert yourself into. And you allow it to play out in your mind. Yeah. Now, there are easier ways to start than that. Mm-hmm. Because some people, even who don't have aphantasia, find visualization difficult. difficult. Especially the kind of complex visualizations that are asked of people in guided meditation. Mm -hmm. So there are some very simple visualization techniques that you can practice Mm -hmm. that that will help you sort of develop that skill. Because if you've never done visualization before, if you didn't have an active imagination like, Mm -hmm. you may, like, this is a a muscle you just haven't exercised. Yeah, you have to learn to exercise Um, it. So the lessons that I was taught Mm -hmm. were to first visualize 
a red circle, just mm -hmm. a flat red circle. So mm -hmm. close your eyes and just imagine that in as much detail as you can. And when you have succeeded at visualizing the red circle, then you can visualize a red ball. Mm -hmm. It has depth, it has weight, it has texture. Imagine all the details of the red ball. When you can visualize the red ball in an acceptable amount of detail, mm -hmm you can proceed to visualize the red apple. This is more complicated than the red ball mm -hmm. because not only is its shape not uniform, mm -hmm. but it may have blemishes. When you turn it over, you can see base has those little prickly bits. Mm -hmm. If you cut it open, it will have flesh and seeds mm -hmm. inside. And you have to visualize all of those elements of the apple. Mm -hmm. And when you've accomplished that, you can start putting the apple into a scene, like imagine the apple on a tree or imagine Imagine the apple in a basket or on or a table on a table or imagine, in your hand imagine yourself eating the apple exactly and so you just sort of build mm -hmm. your skills with visualizing very slowly mm -hmm. one piece at a time building up the levels of detail that you're capable of maintaining in your mind at one time mm -hmm. and this can take a long time it, it, that's the thing is that it doesn't have to be something you can do immediately mm -hmm. it, it can some people are a little more adept at, at doing mm -hmm. that they, they're their imagination is just a little bit, I don't know, they're they are able to visualize things right. a little easier. Um, I had a very active imagination life mm -hmm. as a child that continued for my entire life. Right. So I always found visualization Same. very easy. Same. But like if you have to spend a month just on the red, just on the red circle, yeah. that's fine. Mm -hmm. And that might be frustrating to you, mm -hmm. it, but it, it like it doesn't have to be. For people who have trouble with, with like seeing the, mm -hmm. the red ball, imagine feeling it in your hands. Like mm -hmm. put your hands in a position where you would be holding the red ball. And a uh, visualization could and I won't I don't want to say should, but like very easily could include all of those senses as mm -hmm. well. Like that's like a standard visualization of the red ball could also include like what the rubber smells like mm -hmm. if you have a like a red rubber ball that you like throw to a dog. What does it sound like when it hits a mm -hmm. wall? Or when you squeeze it mm -hmm. or all those kinds of things. Yep. So all of those things can be brought into it. Just depend on it depends on you mm -hmm. and what works best for you. And the, the key is to not get frustrated if it's right. not immediately successful. When you get to if you're visual if you're doing your visualization practice and you're frustrated by it, it's time to stop your visualization yeah. practice and go do something else for a while. Yep, exactly. And because the more frustrated you get, your brain's gonna associate that frustration mm -hmm. with this with practice. And it's going to be super counterproductive to mm -hmm. A, learning the practice, and B, the practice being relaxing in mm -hmm. the future. Mm -hmm. And if you can start with just five minutes, then then do that. And if you mm -hmm. can't progress past five minutes, that's okay. Completely fine. Completely fine. But I have found over the years when I first began learning how to do visualization is that by before long, I would get into this visualization practice and more time had gone by than I realized. Mm -hmm. I think I'm doing this for five minutes and it turns out it's been 30 uh -huh, you know? yeah. <laughs> because you get into the visualization the scene that mm -hmm. you are creating and that is also how you can be drawn into an astral uh, situation is mm -hmm. through practicing visualization yep. and then you just build from there so it's time for Quinn's Garden Gems <laughs> that was very lovely thank you <laughs> Gar isn't here to do it so <laughs> I wanted to talk about Moonflower today specifically I'm talking about Ipomia Alba because there are actually several varieties uh, of flowers 
flower that are called moonflower. And that includes Datura, which mm. uh, is a cousin to Ipomoea alba. Is Ipomoea alba uh, as painful as Datura is? No. Okay, good to know. Not. Although its seeds do have some narcotic... Don't eat the seeds. Don't eat the seeds. You never want to ingest them. <laughs> and you might want to use... And you want to use gloves, gloves. when you're dealing with Ipomoea alba. Okay. Because Datura inoxia, which is also considered moonflower mm -hmm. in, a, in a colloquial sense, it is poisonous. It is toxic. And you do... If you do choose to work with Datura, you have to be very careful with it. Mm -hmm. But Ipomoea alba is a perennial vine. Home really is in subtropical areas, which makes that's where it's perennial. But they can be planted as annuals in colder climates. And it is a vine, so it's related to sweet potato and the morning glory. It's essentially a kind of morning glory. Okay. What you'll so want you to do. So you like put it on a trellis or It is a trellis. Ah. It's a climber. And, it, and in fact, if you give it enough room, it'll climb up to 20 feet. <laughs> <laughs> they like to climb. Although if you pinch off the buds, you, and you, can, you can teach it to, oh, to, like to go down. Yeah. Gotcha. And it is something that you can, you can plant um, in the ground mm -hmm. or you can actually grow it in a large pot as long as you have something for it to grow up okay. or it might go down if you're going to hang the plant. Mm -hmm. But if you do grow it from seed, you're going to want to begin indoors approximately six weeks to prior to planting. And you'll want the temperature outside to be consistently between 60 and 70 degrees before you actually do any planting. And good luck with consistently. Right. They will twine around the trellis. Okay. What's interesting about moonflower, though, and the reason it's called moonflower, is that during the day, its buds are closed. In fact, they kind of look like something alien. <laughs> they look kind of like purple spikes. Once you get to late afternoon, early evening, it opens up into this white trumpet-like flower, this blossom. And I think it can be something like four to five inches across. I mean, it's wow. they're big, yeah. big flowers. And because they're white, they reflect the light of the moon. Mm -hmm. So, so they show up all at They show up. In, they they kind of look like they're glowing gotcha. at night. So they're beautiful to have as part of a moon garden. But they do like sunshine. The more sunshine. They need that for growing. Yeah. The more sunshine they get, the more blossoms you'll get. Because the interesting thing and the difference between Ipomoea alba and Dictura inoxia is that Ipomoea alba, the alba, the blossoms die every day, but a new one opens up. Wow. So they propagate. That's interesting. <laughs> day by day. So the more sunshine they get, the more blossoms you'll have. It costs a, a plant a lot of energy to make yeah. a flower. Yeah. So I, I found that very interesting that, that they'll die off and a new one will, will be reborn Be reborn the next day. Again, they are not poisonous per se, but their cousin Datura is. So if you are buying moonflower, make well, sure make you're sure, getting the right one. Yes. Make sure you're, unless you want Datura, if you're looking for something that's colloquially being called moonflower, do check and make sure it's Ipomoea alba because that is the one that is most of the time what people are thinking about. Right. And then they end up with And then they end and up with like, Datura. With exactly. But they're they're very beautiful. I mean, if you see a picture of them, they mm -hmm. you know they're climbing everywhere, and they've got these big, big white big flowers. It's really beautiful, and they have a very strong scent. So they make another really nice addition, a night blossoming garden, because you walk out into this amazing kind of citrusy As long as they're not competing scent. with the other scents. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So in, in doing a moon garden, you'll want to make sure that you don't have a lot of strongly right. scented flowers. Because, unless they all smell like citrus. Yes, something. unless they combine together nicely. Think of perfumes when you design your yeah, garden. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Or, or essential oil what, blending. What notes work well together? Exactly. They don't necessarily 
last a long time, right. especially if you don't have them exposed to a lot of sunlight. They do so put them in a full sun area. Yeah, they do prefer fertile soil, but they will adapt. They'll figure it out to other soils. They are excellent, obviously, for lunar magic, any kind of nighttime mm-hmm. magic. That makes sense divination, dream work, manifestation, prophetic visions. They can also be used for beginnings, abundance, spirituality, uh, new growth, obviously, because they're constantly being born. Yeah, I would think just rebirth (laughs) in general. So rebirth, abundance, and new growth. You can definitely use Ipomia Alba. And then uh, beauty, because they're gorgeous when you take a look at a picture of of, uh, of this particular version of Moonflower. Also, They're really beautiful. shout out to Ipomia Alba for being the only plant with a pronounceable name. <laughs> they do have a nice, <laughs> they do have a nice name. That is true. Although, Detura Inoxia. That's true. You know, that's, that's, that could that's be worse. Terrible. That could be worse. So, yeah. So. That was it for Gwyn's Garden Gems. She did it herself. <laughs> Magical. You are the one with a I have a degree in music. Finn Finn says nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to talk about like singing bowls and things like that. Oh yeah. I you're gonna have to handle that one. I don't know a lot about singing bowls. I almost bought one. And then I thought, I'm going to be so worried about trying to make yeah, it trying sing, to do the thing. I, I, it won't work for me. See, I, I would be better with drumming. Drumming you could do. Yeah. I think singing bowls are sort of a fun combo of two of the things I talked about before. Mm-hmm. I don't actually have a singing bowl. I should get one. You should. Because I think they'd actually be perfect for the exact things that I like to do when meditating. Uh-huh. Um, Maybe if I learned how to use one properly so I wouldn't have to focus worry, on it. focus on doing it at the right yeah. angle. But yeah. So a, a singing bowl is a bowl, usually made out of like copper. They come in very various sizes, mm-hmm. and the different sizes produce di- different tones. They're sometimes called Tibetan singing bowls, but they were not invented in Tibet, and the person who invented the singing bowls just added the name Tibet to them to make them seem exotic, so <laughs> don't call them that, because... They're just singing bowls. That's, it, it's some gross colonialism shit, and they yep. don't actually come from Tibet, and Tibet doesn't know shit about them, and is always like, those aren't ours. <laughs> so, just singing bowls. They're usually made out of copper or some other metal, or brass, because copper is sometimes expensive. So, you get this bowl and it comes with like a wooden usually round tabor kind of thing yeah tool so i say round but it's cylindrical yeah a wooden cylinder basically with a handle and you place the the tool the cylinder on the edge of the singing bowl and you you rotate it around the edge of the singing bowl at a particular angle and that that rotation creates a sound and if you're consistent with it you can get it to make the same tone Mm -hmm. the whole time and if you let go so if you remove the cylinder, the bowl will continue to make a tone that sort of fades and changes over time. Mm-hmm. And you can also, of course, tap it and it'll do a little ringing sound. Yeah. Maybe I could tap it. You could tap it. And I just, could just get the tap it and get the ping. If you're like me and you just like a tone mm-hmm. to get into a meditation, or if you like a rhythmic movement, mm-hmm. which I also like, you could use a singing bowl to get both a tone and a rhythmic movement that you're in control of. So mm-hmm. it's not electronic. It's not, you're not dependent on YouTube not putting ads in it. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, that's that's something that I think is is a, a fun and interesting tool that can, that can really aid in meditation mm-hmm. if you're willing to practice with it a little bit. Yeah, and if you're working with 
with a group of people mm -hmm. and if someone is leading a meditation, they can be used as a signaling to begin. To keep everyone on the same page. And a signaling to begin and to end. To end, yeah. You'll often find people will like ring the bowl at the start of the meditation right. and then let it make its tone. And then at the end of the meditation, they'll, they'll it tap it. To, um, to bring the meditation to, bring to a close. Thing to a close, yeah. Mm -hmm. to, to be the tone to just end it. That's actually very effective. I've been uh, present when that's mm -hmm. happened. Uh, it's a very effective kind of bringing you back from that meditation. You could also use tuning forks though for a similar effect. Yes. Yeah, absolutely good. Mm -hmm. um, and those might be easier for some people to use. Mm -hmm. Or a bell. A bell, yeah. We, we've used we use bells in ritual. Uh, in ritual in particular. Not so much for meditation, but no, not we for use them for yeah. ritual. Mm -hmm. There are very few tools, honestly, that you need or even can use for meditation. Maybe a cushion. Right, something to sit on something so that you're comfortable. On. Potentially like a tuning fork or a sitting bowl, a singing bowl. A sitting, a sitting bowl. bowl. <laughs> <laughs> the bowl has taken a seat. <laughs> <laughs> so a singing bowl or headphones or yeah, something like yeah. that. Um, and there are there actually are some some very helpful or, or like apps. a mala bead or things yeah, like that. Yeah, mala beads. There are some actually very helpful apps that I I have found on the phone. If you can find the free ones, because some of mm -hmm. them are expensive. For instance, there was uh, there is an app that will allow you to time your meditation. Like if you mm -hmm. want to do five up to, I think it goes in increments up to thirty. Or you could just use minutes. Any timer for that. Yeah, app. exactly. But this one starts with a ringing bowl. Uh, ah, the, of a single, single sound. and then ends with a tone. Gotcha. You know something else that could be useful maybe mm. for the right kind of person mm -hmm. as a metronome. Oh yeah, absolutely. That would absolutely help. That's just the just that, rhythmic ticking. The rhythmic ticking. It's not or unlike, if you have an analog clock. Oh yeah, the ticking of the clock. <laughs> uh -huh. It's not unlike using a candle. You know, if you if you need a prop, if you need something yes. to. So here's something to, to talk about. We usually discuss meditation as something you do with your eyes closed. Right. And that's most meditations mm -hmm. people are going to do with their eyes closed unless they're doing a walking meditation right. or something. Right. But you don't have to close your eyes to meditate. No, you don't. You can. You don't even have to close your eyes to visualize once you're no. familiar with the practice. You can mm -hmm. visualize with your eyes open while doing other things. Absolutely. I do it all the time. But yeah, if if you just need like a... if you A focal point. Exactly. If you aren't comfortable closing your eyes meditating or you think you'll get bored or whatever, you can just... Just light a candle. You can focus on the candle flame, or you can focus like you can get a metronome yep. and you can watch the thing the tick other, back and forth. The other thing that I have done, and I, I still do, I love to do this, is to watch the trees swaying. Yep. Watch the wind as the trees are swaying. We lived in a place where I had a window that was perfectly positioned to watch the tops of the trees. That's not going to help so much if you have a day that's not windy or yeah. if a if you have a very windy yeah. day. But if you have a day where it's where it's a calm breeze yeah. and it's it's just gently blowing the trees back and forth and it's something that you can attune yourself to, yeah. it's a very useful technique. And you can do that with other things too. Like if you're at the park and like there are birds. Yeah. You can watch the birds. If you if you live near a body of water, you can watch the fish. Mm -hmm. Or an aquarium. If you an have aquarium. an aquarium at home and you can just kind of watch the even if you live in a city, you can just let and like you live like a, mm -hmm. a, on a higher level and you can look down and see the streets you can watch the cars. the cars yeah as the cars are moving i guess what we're trying to say is there are a lot of things that you can do mm -hmm. you don't have you don't you have don't have to, to have, close your eyes you don't have to close your eyes and you don't have to have a specific 
thing yeah. in order to bring yourself into a calming meditative state. Yeah, you can adapt it to your circumstances yeah. and to what works best for you. And it may take some experimenting. Yep. Like the first, you know, five or six times you try to meditate, it mm-hmm. may not work. If you keep trying new things, mm-hmm. chances are eventually you'll find something that works for exactly. you. Exactly. Like QQ is saying water moving, the sound of water moving. That's good for uh, a lot of people. You yeah. know, that that is very good. Or rain when it's raining. Yes. That's an excellent time, especially if you can go outside and it's a gentle rain and you can kind of smell the petrichor rising from yeah. the earth. Or if you can go to the ocean or a lake. Yeah, hear the waves. Yeah, I mean, any of those things. And if you can't physically get there, there are recordings that mm-hmm. you can use. Mm-hmm. You can, again, apps and, and YouTube and, mm-hmm. and recordings that you can get that can help you. And music. You can use music, too. Preanne and Grace says, does that mean I can count my depression-led ceiling fan staring as meditation? No. Well, not depression-led, no. Staring at a ceiling fan could be a resource for meditation. Yes. yes. But if you're just staring because you're depressed, that's not that's, that's not meditation. You're just that's depression. That's, that's the usual depression yeah. funk. But if that's we all know what it is. Yes. Now I find watching a ceiling fan very disorienting. Yeah, because of the spinning. Well, and like my eyes keep trying to track different blades, and I just end up dizzy. Well, my whole thing would be I'd have to lie down and then, and then fall, fall asleep. asleep. So that wouldn't be productive. That would not be productive for a meditative state unless I'm trying to fall asleep. So yeah. all right, so. <laughs> yeah. All right. So is there is there anything else you wanted to cover for meditation? Oh, let's see. We've pretty much talked about everything. Yeah. I think we've covered it pretty extensively. You can you can take these different components that we've talked about and you can either do just one meditation based on one of those components mm-hmm. or you can be like me and do a mishmash. You can smash everything up, combine, mix and match. Yep, whatever works. That's for honestly you. how I do it too. Like I so my standard meditation starts with it's often it often varies because I I end up connecting to astral stuff and dream stuff and right. you know doing specialist things after like the starting meditation but my starting mm-hmm. meditation is essentially a body scan mm-hmm. but then I do some grounding and I do a lot of visualization with my grounding where mm-hmm. I like sort out my energy and everything I mean sometimes I'll do a mantra but very rarely mm-hmm. it depends on on what I'm feeling drawn to do you know my my morning meditation I do tend to do the the body scan mm-hmm. Grounding into the earth deity, and then usually either mantra of Hakati's name or sacred sound. Mm-hmm. And that can vary in time because a lot of times the cat is like, okay. So it's like, hey, you've meditated you've, long enough. You've meditated long enough. I declare it. Time to pay attention to me. So the times vary. Then there are times when I specifically go into, I want to interact, whether it's with my spirit guides or mm-hmm. with a deity or going to astral space for some reason. Mm-hmm. I will build from where I have started, which right. is the typical meditation that I do, and then go to an astral space. Yeah. I usually, I start all of that kind of stuff with a meditation mm-hmm. just to get in the right headspace. Again, I think it's beneficial. It's in a number of areas, spiritually, physically, emotionally, mentally. Mm-hmm. I encourage you to try it. And even if you feel like, oh, no, I couldn't do it. Just remember, there just, are multiple yeah, ways to exactly. do it. And you make it fit you. Exactly. You don't have to fit the meditation. You the, create you the, meditation the right meditation that fits you. you. Exactly. And sometimes it means piecing things together mm-hmm. uh, and creating what works. Yep. And it may be something nobody else can do, and that's okay. Exactly. Because it's about you. <laughs> as long as you're getting the desired results exactly. from your meditation, exactly. it doesn't matter how you're doing it. Exactly. Unless you're doing transcendental meditation, register trademark. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's right. But anyway, because Car is not here, we're going right. to tell you to look for us on Google. Look for us on Google. Google the number three and then the letters P A A. We need the two A's. C. That'll be three pack. That's short for three pagans and a cat. Yep. And if you Google either that phrase or that acronym, you will find us on Google. That's right. For the for like the first three pages of Google. That's right. Or you can go to threepagansandacat.com. Right. The number three, pagansandacat.com, where you'll find all of our episodes, some uh -huh. some links to some other some other pages some other like stuff. Patreon and we yeah, have the Patreon. We have the Patreon where again we we love and support all of our our Patreon mm -hmm. listeners. And, or thank all of our Patreon listeners, as well as everyone in the Pride, because all our listeners are part of the Pride. Pride, Pride yes. And we, we get that be, question occasionally. Yep, and we wouldn't be doing this without the Pride. Nope. So we love our listeners. In fact, you guys gave me suggestions for, like, the next year's worth of, uh -huh. of, uh, of content. Episodes. Yeah, yeah, so I'm scheduled out to, like, September. Yep, just look for us on Google. Mm -hmm. We'll be there. Uh, come visit me on Patheos Pagan. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, Hopefully I'll have something up there. Have some blogs. <laughs> or you blogs. can look at, look at the archives. I got uh -huh. a lot of stuff. I've been, a lot of previously lot of written articles. Previously written article stuff. Uh, and then I think that's everything. Yeah, check us so, out on YouTube. Yep, yeah, we have that. We have a Facebook. We have the Discord. Mm -hmm. Where, where so, we are pretty, where I am pretty frequently at least. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. yeah. Do all those, do all those things. Say goodbye, Ode. Goodbye.